Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Today we have a very special guest and a friend of the firm. Mr. Steven Weinstein is here today. Steven is an attorney, an accomplished attorney. He focuses his practice on healthcare litigation and commercial litigation, but he is best known in his role as the managing partner of the Miami office for K&L Gates. And what's interesting about Steven is he started at K&L Gates in 1991 as a first year summer associate and has been with the firm ever since going all the way from summer associate to partner to now managing partner. And we are really excited to have Stephen here today. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And by the way, Stephen is a twin. He's an identical twin. Fraternal twin. Excuse me, I said identical and I meant he's a fraternal twin. Each other? With his brother, David. And the two of them were number one and number two in their high school class and then college class. And I met Stephen in law school at NYU, and at that time, his brother was at Harvard Medical School. So these are two uh, very accomplished young men who have always been overachievers, and they continue to this day. Well, thank you for those kind words. In the interest of full disclosure, I was number two. Both times. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that says a lot because your brother... On your next podcast, you should try to get number one. Yeah. <laughs> super smart, super accomplished, as are you. So I don't think you're second fiddle to anybody. But And just for the record, we did try to get... <laughs> exactly, David exactly. wasn't available. And so uh, we All right. tried to bring... That's him. how it's been my whole life. We tried to bring him on to a podcast uh, for lawyers. But yeah, he Steve- said, no, thank you. And so, Stephen, you have been at the same firm for... What is it, 1991? Since the summer of 1991. 31 years. 31 years. I started out as a first-year summer associate, came back for my second summer, Mm -hmm. started out as an associate, rose to income partner, and uh, about five, six years ago, they uh, punished me for my loyalty by making me managing partner. We want to ask you about managing partner, but before we get there, why do you think that is? Like, Why have you been there so long? I still, for the most part, get enjoy getting up every day and going to work. I mean, obviously, uh, we find ourselves in COVID times where I and I am not, nor are most of our people going into work on a regular basis, but it's a great place to work. The firm has changed exponentially. When I started with the firm as a summer associate, we were approximately 450 or 500 lawyers. The name of the firm back then, the predecessor firm, was Kirkpatrick and Lockhart. Right. There were five offices, no international offices. And obviously, we are uh, the firm has changed quite a bit over the last 30 years. We are now under 2,000 lawyers, around 1,800 lawyers on five continents, about 48 offices. We just opened up Luxembourg and Nashville. So it's a very, very different structure and firm than when I started as a summer associate. But I am happy to say, and frankly, to answer your question, that one of the reasons I'm still at the firm is because in many ways, it's still the same DNA. We try to attract people that play nicely in the sandbox. You have to want to collaborate with your colleagues. And that's frankly the reason I'm there because of uh, the culture and the interaction with our colleagues. And it's not just lawyers, it's staff, it's paralegals, it's the guys in office services. It's just a nice place to work. And for the most part, everyone gets along and tries to uh, work together and have fun while doing it. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't know about it, your firm, I mean, but I think if you look at the market, I'd say that you're an anomaly, having been in a firm for so long. But I do think that people of our generation probably stick around or stuck around longer at, you know, where they worked and there was some longevity and loyalty. It doesn't seem that way anymore. I don't know what your experience is, particularly as a managing partner. What are you seeing and why do you think, you know, your best guess as to why there isn't that sort of longevity anymore in younger lawyers or, or, you know, maybe hopping from firm to firm? I certainly don't think it's limited to lawyers. I think our culture has mm-hmm. changed dramatically since the three of us were obviously younger. I think it's an instant gratification. Hey, we're still young. Yeah. Come on. When, you know what I said Come on. to I said to my wife the other day since I turned 53 last week, I said, I really birthday. feel thank you. I said, I can't believe I'm now middle-aged. She goes, you've been middle-aged for a while. <laughs> but in any event, I think that I I have twin boys that are 22. Mm-hmm. They too are also fraternal twin boys, but They look at me like I'm some type of alien when they think about staying with the same job or living in the same location your entire life. I mean, that's just, I don't think how kids these days or the younger generations are wired. It's so much about instant gratification. And the world is changing a lot more, a lot more than it was in terms of how rapidly things are changing. A lot of the jobs that kids are looking at these days weren't even around a few years ago. You know, when we were growing up, uh, my parents are like, one of you is going to be the lawyer, one of you is going to be the doctor. Doctor, the doctor was number one, so I, I really wasn't given much say in the matter, and there weren't as many options. And I think you're absolutely correct. One of the things we struggle with in our firm, and I think one of the things that you guys probably struggle even in a smaller firm, is people wanting to come in and stay there their entire career. When I hire someone as a, as a summer associate, I'm hopeful they're going to work out and want to be partner. But a lot of times, that's not what yeah. their aspirations are. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we every hire we make. We think, okay, this is a future partner. I mean, that's really the calculus we make with every single hire. And, you know, fortunately, we haven't had a lot of turnover with with really lawyers or staff. You know, the only, uh, you know, other sometimes people don't work out and you have to separate consensually. But otherwise, the only people who've really left have moved to other cities or, you know, went to the government or went in-house or things, you know, things like that. But I think you started to say, like when you were a summer associate, like, did you know at that point, okay, this is the place I want to be? Or was it just kind of like, oh, I'm happy I got a job and you know, let's see how this goes? At the time, I was 21 or 22 as a summer associate. I certainly yeah. wasn't thinking long-term 30 years down the road, but the firm has always been a good firm, but provided as a young attorney, provided great mentoring, provided great experience, really supported a work-life balance. Uh, right. Frankly, the firm has always cared that, mm-hmm. you know, we all have obligations right. outside the office and they just don't give it lip service. They really believe it. And that was always important to me. Certainly when I was a young a younger associate and even as a young partner, spending time and being able to be with my wife and, and twin boys was very important to me. Right. And when the firm, you said it was 500 when you joined and now it's 2,000? We're right under 2,000. When was the merger, roughly? We've we've had several mergers. We merged with uh, a firm in London. We merged with the Hughes and Luce firm with several offices. No, the Hughes and Luce firm was several offices in Texas. Preston Gates and Ellis was the firm. I think it was about 10 years ago. And that was Bill Gates' father's firm. And uh, they're a fantastic, fantastic group of attorneys. They had offices on the West Coast. And at the time, we did not. But Seattle is probably our biggest office now. Oh, really? Yeah. And when you started, how many are in the Miami office today? The Miami office is about 36 attorneys now. Okay. But at that time, it was 
around 20 or so. Is that right? Or how many? We've, how big was we've it changed over those years mm-hmm. from anywhere from, I think, around 20, 25 attorneys up to around 40. We change with the markets, with the times. We have a very good mix at, at this point. Uh, we have really have not had any turnover at all. And it's just a great group of attorneys. Most of the partners have been there many, many years. And we all like each other. We all get along. And uh, we're coming off of, I'm proud to say we're coming off of our best year ever in 37 wow. years in Miami. Well, wow. congratulations Under on your that. management and tutelage. Yeah. And I don't know if, yeah. if that's pure coincidence, but yes. Coach Weinstein. And so as sort of successful as your practice, your group has been, at least in Miami office, I would say, what do you think, without giving away some trade secrets, I mean, what do you think some of the why have you been successful? What are some of the things that you guys have been able to do to keep people long-term? What have you seen that has worked and to really get people to buy in? I think the secret sauce for our firm and really what makes us different is the um, the way that the management really does facilitate and foster and incentivize collaboration on the platform. Uh, The days of Miami is not so much as important as it used to be in terms of the geographic location. And I think you see this with all of the big Mm -hmm. firms and all the big organizations. Where you're situated is not so important anymore. We're sort of deviating like a lot of firms simultaneously to practice groups. And the firm does a tremendous job. We have this incredible international footprint with almost 2,000 lawyers, as I said. And we're all over the globe, in Asia, in Europe, and uh, all throughout the United States. And everything that we do is to try to provide the very best work product to the client with the very best person, lawyer, around the globe, whoever that may be. It's, it's, it may not be in my office, may not even be in the United States, mm-hmm. but the firm incentivizes that type of collaboration. And we, we do a very good job for the most part of making it seamless to identify who the best person is to work on a new matter, to get them involved very quickly and to have integration and collaboration. So I know for a lot of big firms, that's unusual, right? Like there's a lot of silos at big firms, meaning I'm going to keep this work or I'm going to only bring in a certain certain people, not from other offices. And that tends to, you know, raise sort of the competitive yeah. edge of people saying one office versus another office or one practice group versus another. So what you're saying is really collaboration has been the key, right? Being able to just pull in people and be able to work together to help the client in the end. Absolutely. And and we do it, I think, exceptionally well. Is it always perfect? No. But the firm really does. It's more than just lip service. Every firm says they collaborate. But I will tell you, if you're a, a siloed practice, mm-hmm. uh, there's some great siloed attorneys, sure. fantastic lawyers with incredible books of business. It makes no sense to come over to our platform. And that's not what we're looking for. And certainly not what I'm looking for when I'm hiring lateral partners. The firm not only gives a lot of lip service to to collaboration, but they track it. We have metrics to track it. It's considered, it's a significant- How do they track collaboration? I'll tell you, it's a significant factor come comp time. And how do they track it? They, They keep metrics as to how you're bringing in teams there's metrics without getting into specifics, sure, but right. there's there's metrics that if I bring in a bankruptcy matter, obviously I'm not a bankruptcy attorney. I'm going to identify who in the firm, mm-hmm. in my office or otherwise, yeah. is best equipped to handle it in terms of expertise, in terms of availability, in terms of you know, geographic location, perhaps. But I would bring in a matter. I would say, wow, Jeff Bass, you're a fantastic, you, you know, you're down the hall. This is right up your 
this is what you specialize in. Could you help me out in this matter? And I'm going to give you credit in terms of opening the file. So and the firm's in- going to, we are absolutely incentivized right. yeah. to collaborate. You're incentivized to bring me in and I'm incentivized to support exactly you. Exactly right. So right. unlike some of our firms, some firms that we all are aware of, it's never the type of thing that people say, well, what's in it for me? Right. Or how much credit are you going to give me? Right. So that kind of haggling, which I think tends to fragment a lot of yeah, firms. A lot of fragment, right? Is um, counterproductive, and but yeah. so in, so ingrained in the fabric of a lot of firms. I, I will yeah. tell you, what really illustrates it exceptionally well is you send out an email on our platform to 1,800, 1,900 lawyers on the platform inquiring as to availability or expertise in a certain area. You will be flooded within 10 minutes with responses. Mm. And that's right. where it starts. People want to people want right. to work with you. Yeah, yeah people want to work with you. They want to assist, and that's I think that's what we're built for. And that's yeah. that's essentially what I think makes us different. And I think from my perspective, that's what makes it a nice place to work. No one's going to stab you in the back. No one's right. no one's trying to poach your business or steal your clients. Right. The firm was based out of. Pittsburgh, is that right? Is that where it started? The Kirkpatrick and Lockhart Lockhart side of it was based out of Pittsburgh. Right. And so is it still considered to be a home office or is there just no home office? We are now, now? based in the United States. Yeah, that's right. That's the, uh, that's the way it works. But I our, do, our, chairman, our chairman and global managing partner are based in the United States. Right. I do believe that a lot of firms, you know, I think the firms that are home-based in New York or started out of New York have a different culture than firms that are based out of, you know, outside of New York. At least that was my experience. You know, I worked at Hunton. It was a Virginia-based firm. I just thought culturally it was just a different feel than a lot of, uh, you know, New York-centric firms. And, you know, I wonder if Kirkpatrick and Lockhart also had that, you know, benefited from that. I think you're right. And I think you and I both went to law school in New York. And people that uh, were trained in New York or otherwise practiced primarily in New York, I Mm -hmm. think have a different attitude. Some people view it as a positive attitude. Some people view it as a negative attitude. But the firm does have more blue-collar roots. We don't have any debt. The firm does not carry a penny of external debt. It's a conservative firm and one that really, I think, values the person and the future of each individual. That's great. That's great. And they made the intelligent decision of elevating you to managing partner. And so... I want to hear about that. And I think, I wonder if that's one of those things, uh, you know, congratulations on winning the pie eating contest and your prize is another piece of pie, you know? And so how did you receive that, that, that news and how have you managed it? This news goes back about five, six years now. Right. I've been managing partner of the Miami office and I had been there for a long time. And I think that did play a role in terms of the then management's decision to to elevate me to managing partner. But frankly, it's a, it's a title and I have some responsibilities as title, but I don't view it as a, that I have any more power or less power than the other partners in the Miami office. That's just not how we operate. As a balancing act though, nonetheless, right? You have some managerial responsibilities, plus you actually are still a practicing lawyer. So what are some of the challenges to that, you know, and how you balance your time? It certainly could be challenging, especially this time of year. We're on a calendar year in terms of our budget. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I I don't know how you guys do it, but things uh, sometimes get very hectic toward the end of the year with managerial responsibilities in terms of trying to collect as much as you can and putting pressure on people to get their bills out timely and collect, collect, collect. And uh, dealing with year-end issues and now dealing with comp issues, uh, that takes a lot of time. But I'm fortunate enough to be able to also practice law. 
I still want to be involved with my clients uh, on a regular basis, if not on a daily basis, and be involved in their matters. Yeah. I mean, I would have to think that, and uh, you know, we manage lawyers, but uh, first of all, I have a, a co-manager and my partner here, and you know, we manage 10 lawyers. Managing 37 lawyers part, as part of a 2,000-member team is got to be more challenging. What would you say is the hardest part of your, of your job as very, managing partner? I, I am very fortunate that the firm has incredible resources in terms of I have a lot of backup. I certainly don't do it on my own. The successes that we have in the Miami office and on our platform and the firm as a whole, I, I certainly would be very reluctant to take any credit for. I have an incredible team in the Miami office. and Is that lawyers or non-lawyers? But or both. both. We, I have an incredible team of lawyers. I have an administrator that helps me. We have uh, departments all over, the, uh, all over the platform that help with in terms of marketing, employment issues. Basically, anything and any support I need, I have support uh, behind me. So I'm not, that makes it a lot easier in terms of it's not going to fall on my shoulders right. uh, individually, and nor am I able to take the credit for any successes that we have individually. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you see in t- today, both as a sort of a manager, but also as a lawyer in healthcare, right? In healthcare litigation, because you're, you're dealing with healthcare, which is a significant issue today, right? And there's challenges there for clients in the healthcare industry, but also you have challenges as a manager in today's world. So if you can sort of break that down for us and tell us what some of those challenges are. Let's start with the the managerial mm-hmm. responsibilities, the non-law yeah. responsibilities. Yep. I think from my perspective, the most challenging aspect, and it circles back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of most lawyers these days are not at one firm for their entire career. And procuring the talent, hiring the talent, and keeping the talent is very challenging in this market. Miami, as you guys know, has become almost every national and international firm that I'm aware of is is down here or has plans to become to, to get down here. And it is a very, very challenging market. There's a lot of firms that are willing to overpay or give guarantees. And, uh, you know, I get resumes pretty regularly. I'm sure you guys see them also coming across your desk of lawyers that have been at six or seven firms in 12 years. I Frankly, I'm very reluctant to talk to any attorney that's been at that many firms because I think it's indicative of something. But uh, the talent the talent issue is, is challenging, especially yeah. in this market. And I think it's only become more challenging in the last year. You see how Miami has just, it, it's on the yeah. radar screen now in terms of businesses moving here, people moving here. With the remote capabilities, I think you see a lot of people coming in from New York and California and Illinois, and uh, it's challenging. Certain area practice areas have been challenging also. I mean, you see it in terms of corporate associates. Corporate associates are getting poached left and right from mm-hmm. other firms with uh, headhunters calling them incessantly. So I find that challenging, and uh, I'm always willing to get on my, uh, be the cheerleader for the firm and talk about culture and talk about uh, professional development and talk about the benefits of having a lo- very long career at K&L Gates and, and the Miami office of K&L Gates. But sometimes you see people that that aren't thinking about 15, 20, 30 years down the road, they're right. thinking about they're thinking about the next 15 months and how much money they can make or what's in them for them for that for that short window. Who's to blame them? Because at least the last three years, right, have, there's been so much uncertainty. Yeah. And so, well, I don't know what's going to happen in a year or two. If you're a young, just starting out, you know, first year lawyer, 
Like think about what the last year or two has been. And so we're coming at it from a different perspective, right? We grew up at a different time as, as young lawyers and it is challenging. It's challenging, like you said, for a number of reasons to, to try to get the talent and retain the talent and figure out what you can do to retain talent, you and, know? And, and of course, COVID has thrown a monkey wrench in, in, in a lot of our lives. I mean, uh, I firmly believe that it's imperative. And what makes us different is our culture and professional development and mentoring. And it's hard to do that when mm-hmm. no one's coming into the office. Yeah, I, sure. I mean, I'm struggling now. And I think a lot of organizations, certainly not only limited to law firms, are struggling with how hard to push people back, when to push people back. When we do get back, is it a new model three days a week, four days a week? or uh, And how much flexibility are we going to afford? I think flexibility is absolutely imperative going forward. I I don't see any time in the near future that we're going to be back like the three of us were when we were younger attorneys, five or six days a week from 830 to 630 as the expectation. I think the younger attorneys and a lot of the staff and frankly, some of our partners are demanding that flexibility. They like that flexibility. They like not having to deal with long commutes. But I do think that it is impeding uh, cultural development and uh, professional development and the intangibles. And the growth at the, you know, look, law firms succeed over long periods of time by elevating, bringing on recruiting, bringing on junior people and elevating them. And as the older attorneys retire, the younger generations growing up and that growth is so dependent on what you just said, the mentoring and the interactions and learning and those learning opportunities. And you can't get those in the same way in a purely remote environment. So I think the remote environment is is great for the top level, but the bottom level just is going to stagnate and they don't get that I agree. But the the issue that I'm having is you can't have that bottom level development without the interaction of the top Top level. level. If you know, if all your associates and staff are coming in and none of your partners are in, that it it sort of defeats the purpose. Exactly. And that's a struggle. That is certainly a struggle. And uh, I think, you know, and unfortunately, you know, there's no clear roadmap ahead. I mean, we were doing well in November. People were coming back into the office. We were having nice, uh, nice turnout every day. And then the Omicron hit. Right. And uh, that sort of push, pushed us. We were yeah. one step forward and two steps back. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, that Omicron is obviously fading into the past or at least uh, getting under control and that we'll be back in the office. At this point, what I say is I would like to be back in the office more often than not. Right. And that's my hope because I do think it is important. And like you say, and both of you, I'm sure we're the same way. It, it can't be a planned Zoom every time. No. Uh, you can't plan it. So much of so much of uh, my memories of being mentored were sort of ad hoc or even by the water cooler or the coffee maker. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm having lunch with my client. Just come and join me or just sit through this meeting or just walking through the hall. A partner would have, be uh, drafting a complaint and he would just look up, he or she would look up and say, oh, you're here. Just let me bounce this off of you. And yeah. it can't. And not everything could be planned on a ZoomX, right. I, I, on a Zoom or a WebEx. And um, yeah. it's certainly challenging. Yeah, yeah, I think flexibility is going to be key, like you said. And I think we're we've employed that as well to some extent. But then maybe that requires planning in terms of making sure people are in the office at the same time, so that the younger lawyers and the more seasoned lawyers can collaborate together and and have that time, right? So that may be more thought and more management and more planning to do that, you know, rather than it just sort of happening because everyone's in the office all the time. 
Are you guys, you know, I'm serious, are you seeing a lot of lateral movement from within the firm or people from New York or other offices saying, hey, we want to come move to Miami? I have not seen that. No. But I do know that, and I think you see it in a lot of industries, I do think you see younger attorneys that have reevaluated their life in terms of COVID, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, their personal situation and their family life. And not so much in Miami, in, in my particular office, I haven't seen it, but I do think you've seen people in all industries, and you read about it pretty regularly, yeah. that have reevaluated their life and made changes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that also has opened up doors or opened up limitations on recruiting because the you know the geographic limitations on recruiting are are kind of lifted in large part if with people who can re- work remote or are looking to you know to make the move and are more flexible in where they work you know would so, you guys a question for you guys mm-hmm. if you guys came across a fantastic candidate him or her and and uh, they said to you uh, I want to work 100% remotely and never come in the office would you entertain that so we sort of have that now pretty much with a, a lawyer who goes between Ohio and Texas and is not here, but for, you know, every so often. Yeah. But the difference is she was, she was here, here before. Right. right. So, but the, right. to answer your question, I think right. with a new lawyer, probably not. It'd be tough. I think it would be hard to, you know, for the reason you said, you know, one of the keys when we asked you what, you know, why are you still there and what's, you know, what, to what do you attribute the success? You talked about the first word you said was collaboration. If collaboration's that integral, and yeah. I agree, if it is for us as well, you you need to be you know together in some respects. And I think it would be too hard to. I, I, I wouldn't think, rule it out, yeah. but I think it would be very challenging for us to fully integrate yeah. somebody. I, I would say like that. I would say before COVID, I would have probably said, no, "How can that work?" Right now, I would say, "Well, well it depends on the lawyer." Depends on the practice area. Depends on you know why we were considering bringing them on, and you know what they would be doing, right? Let's say they have their own book of business. Let's say they have their own practice area. Let's say they have maybe even an associate or support staff. It's almost like an off quote unquote an office. Would that work? I don't know. Maybe. But if it's a younger lawyer who we've never had in the office, never worked yeah. with, I mean, I yeah. think that would be a lot more challenging, yeah. As, yeah. particularly for a firm like ours. Yeah. You know. In my mind, yeah. I, w- I mean, I was answering yeah. the, no, the right. junior person. You're right. yeah. I mean, it could work with the senior person who, you know, those interactions are less important. But I also, like for us, we want our senior lawyers to be mentors to the younger lawyers right. and staff, yeah. you know, and leaders. And and that's, you know, we expect everybody to, to challenge each other and help each other grow. Well, as you said as well, I mean, culture for us is super important, right? Yeah. And so not having people here and, just gets the culture kind of a little more disjointed. I think what we learned in, you know, COVID and working remotely is you can we do it? Yes. We can do it. Do we want to and should it be a long-term thing? Not really, you know. It's it, it can work, but I, I just don't see how you could do that full, you know, full-time, long-term and maintain culture. If, if you want to have people that are 30-year people like you, yeah, you I don't can. think it can, it can work. And I don't think we know the long-term implications. It's sort of like yeah. these kids yeah. that haven't been to going to school for two years. Yeah, right. I, I think time will tell. I think, I, you know, you could view it from economics. I think you're going to see a lot of law, law firms that reported their best year in 2021. I think you're going to see phenomenal reporting in terms of how firms did economically. But there's a lot more to the story than just that. 
And uh, in terms of the long-term growth and professional development and everything that makes uh, the intangibles, yeah, uh, that makes you want to get out of bed every day and go to work and yeah. come up the elevator, I, th- I think is going to be affected adversely by all of this. Yeah. I mean, culture is so much so critical to, you know, the success of a, of a law firm. You know, people are there to make money. But if you have people that are there just for the money, they're not going to be there longer. And if, if somebody's going to a firm because, you know, they want for the money only, then there's always going to be somewhere else, always, that can pay a little more. I just spoke with a potential lateral last week, and I said, if, if you're interested in making the most money in town, I said, I'm certainly not going to pass judgment on you I, at all, but I'm not the right, right firm right. for you. Right. right. But that um, person's never going to be happy because there's always going to be. Somewhere else, someone else that's making more, that you can make more, and they're always going to be thinking that. If you're driven by the dollar, you'll never be happy. I tend to agree with you. Well, I think that's a good place to end this. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the ending on that, I think, is absolutely perfect. Steven Weinstein, what a success story. You are an inspiration. I'm going to make every lawyer in our firm listen to this podcast. But more importantly, I think... They listen to every podcast, they already don't do, they? Actually, I mean, come on, Jeff. More importantly, every lawyer at k Gates should listen to this podcast because there might be a summer associate out there who... You know, one day aspire to be a Stephen Weinstein and make it all the way up Certainly to managing I have higher partner. aspirations than that, but thank you guys. <laughs> I appreciate your time and continued success with your guys firm. Thank you, Stephen. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and share it with your friends and family. Follow us on wherever you get your podcast because obviously you're listening to this podcast right now. And if you have any questions or comments or feedback for us, please let us know. You can find our information and Stephen's in the show notes. Thank you, Nelson. Thank you. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.